Hey guys, and welcome back to the Feenstra Zoo. My name is Spencer Feenstra, the host and creator of the zoo. I'm here just to talk to you about things that are on my mind and on my heart. I hope you'll enjoy the show. If you do, please check us out on all social medias at The Feenstra Zoo. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, I just want to take a minute here to talk about Anchor. If you don't know what Anchor is, it is where I actually make my podcast. It is the easiest way to get started in podcasting. They've made everything super simple. They have recording software right on their app or online as well. They distribute your podcast for you. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere almost anywhere that you can listen to a podcast. These guys have spread my name out there for me. They made it super simple. You can record right to the app or online. You guys, if, you, if you're even remotely interested in starting a podcast, this is the way to go. Okay, go to anchor.fm. So that's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. And you can get started. Here's the cool thing. You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. You don't have to have your name out there with 100,000 people before you can start making money. They've actually sponsored me to put the spot in here. And guess what? I'm making a couple bucks. It's turning this from a hobby into a potential career for me. So if you care to, if you're interested at all, Go to anchor.fm or download the Anchor app to get started. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Feenster Zoo. I thank you again for the great response for the last couple episodes. Um, I'm still shocked that so many people are wanting and willing to take time out of their very busy schedules to listen to me and what I have to say and my thoughts on things. So thank you so much. Just so you know, I do realize that the audio for my last episode, it sucked, and I'm sorry for that. I'm working on fixing this. I've got a couple things I'm working out. Um, I'm still new to this, so please bear with me through these trial and error here. Um, speaking of last episode, I am thrilled. I got so much great response from it. Uh, many, many questions and people wanting clarifications, so I will be revisiting that next week. Um, if there are any questions or clarifications that you do want, please reach out to me, um, social media, or if you have my number, just call or send me a text. Please, I promise I will get back to you in one form or another. So for this episode, what I want to do is to kind of break down how to love intentionally, how to do this on purpose. So the first thing I want to do, the first thing I wanted to visit is this myth of the soulmate or that one person well and more specifically what i want to do is to break this myth and this fairy tale that there's just one person out there for you Um, there's no doubt in my mind that some people are more compatible with each other Um, that being said there is no magical one person somewhere in the world for you just waiting to catch your eye and suddenly you fall deeply in love forever with this one person. Um, That's just not true. 
that's not a real thing. I'm sorry. There's no magic formula for a relationship. Um, Relationships are truly hard work. Um, It's more about finding someone whom you work well with and are willing to make the conscious choice to love them every day. Working every day to become a better version of yourself and a better person for your partner or your spouse. Relationships are a lot of hard work, but it can be so worthwhile. A deep love pays dividends that cannot be quantified or measured. There's an old adage of happy wife, happy life. And there's so much wrong with this idiom, but that's for a different podcast, I think. At the heart of this, it's true, though. But I would break it down differently by saying something like, Making my spouse happy makes me happy, and that fills my home with love. I think this is a more accurate representation of what this idiom is really trying to say. Now, back when I was a younger man, I was engaged to a person who I thought was the one. We started dating when I was about 16, and we thought we were going to be together forever, and we were together until I was about 21. I didn't see it at the time, and oh man, was I so wrong about it, but she was not the one, and hindsight is mean. But we also put no real work into our relationship. We really didn't know how to, or that we needed to. She was in university at the time to become a nurse, and I was working up to three jobs to put her through school and take care of our home. Um, We were both very naive in that thought. We thought that the other person wouldn't change, or at times we were hoping that the other person would change and we didn't know how to talk about it, talk about the issues. Now, she was in university, like I said, and she was there from the time the university was unlocked until most days after supper, or if I was lucky, you know, bedtime. Um, And when I wasn't in classes of my own, I was working, like I said, up to three jobs, and I was constantly busy and hurrying, and she was either in class or doing homework for her classes. So there were there were many other issues that contributed to the breakdown of our relationship, but this is one that I want to talk about right now. Time. With my ex and I, we didn't put in the work. We didn't know how to. We didn't know that we needed to. It was always assumed that when we were married, we would have time together. Now, we already lived together, and we had been sleeping in the same bed for about four years. Uh, So, by the end of it, it's not like there was no time, like we didn't see each other. But we were basically strangers in the same room, strangers in the same house. She sat at her desk until it was bedtime, and I worked most nights, be it from my computer or from the factory I worked at for a lot of our relationship. As you can tell, we didn't really give ourselves the opportunity to learn who we were as a couple. It was always assumed that it would come later. And I learned a great lesson here. You can't have a relationship over the phone, over text message. Even though I saw her every day, and we texted all the time, we had very little passion and very little intimacy in our relationship. Now, if you remember from episode one, 
Shalane and I talked over technology via text, email, or video chat for about 10 years, and although a decent friendship, there was never really a chance for passion or intimacy through this. Shalane and I learned how to talk to each other, but we didn't really know each other. Now, when Shalane and I started dating, we learned very quickly that one of us is going to have to move. When we started talking for, like, for real for real again, Shalane was living on, here on Vancouver Island, and I was living in small-town southern Alberta. Now, we knew that one of us was going to have to make that choice. We decided that Shalane was going to move home. Well, move back to Alberta anyway. And we made that choice during the first few months of our dating relationship. And at that time, we realized that we were going to have to be full-time students of each other. Full-time student? What do you mean, full-time student of my spouse? Well, <laughs> this ties in with time. I can't have a relationship without taking time to be with you, and in some cases, making the time to be with you. And why bother making that time if I don't make that time worth it? Now, in the beginning of a relationship, it's all fun and new and exciting. It's learning each other, learning your favorite things, your favorite foods, places, hobbies, and who your celebrity crushes are. Then, you get to go a little deeper. You get to learn their family and their heritage, their dreams and hopes and future goals. And for a lot of people, that's where it stops. They know enough to be content for a while, but my friends, at this point, you might as well be a co-worker or an acquaintance. I'm telling you that at this point, you don't know your spouse. You don't know your partner. There is so much more to be learned after this. I'm telling you that I want you to know everything about your spouse to the point where Shalane and I, we know how the other person is going to talk through a whole conversation. But we have that conversation anyway, just so we can hear the other person speak. I don't want to just talk to my wife. I literally study her. I don't want to just know who her favorite author is. I want to know why that's her favorite author. What's their writing style? Is it the author's current book or what's their best book that really hooked me? When did you first start reading her stuff? And on and on and on. We should continue to learn our spouse forever. See, who we are can change every day. Our dreams and plans can change as frequently as the seasons of life. Now, I'm six years into my forever with Shalane, and I'm thrilled to say that we're very different people from the day when we said I do. And yes, I do not know everything about my wife. But I know a lot, and that means I get to love her more because I've learned the small and intimate details. I know every freckle, I know every piece of my wife's body, but it's so much more fun that I get to know her brain and her thoughts and her desires, and it's more that I get to love about her. So I want you to study your spouse. Now, I'm never done learning, especially about Shalane. I want to know her past, who she is, who she's becoming, and who she wants to be. I'm forever a student of my wife. Now, continuing with time, you need to make time and make this person a priority in your life. 
Now, back in the day, I was the guy who always had an excuse. You know, I work hard, I work long hours, and I just need some time for me. Or maybe you're the person who says that it's okay. I know Shalane loves me. I don't have to tell them. Whatever your excuse may be, the Bible makes it very clear about the order of things that should be a priority in your life. Number one is God, non-negotiable. Number two is my spouse. Number three, that's my kids. Number four, that's everything else. Everybody else falls into that category. So whatever is holding your attention above your spouse, that needs to change today, unless that thing is God. Now, don't get me wrong. I do have hobbies. I do take time for me, and that's important. I'm not saying that Shalane holds my attention 100% of the time. I do, help, like, I do need to work. I do need to support my family and take care of my home. And I do need personal time. I need to decompress from my, my days and my weeks. You know, I can't pour all of my stress onto my wife. I have to deal with some of that alone. And like I said, I do need to fill my personal cup. It's balanced. That's important. But what I am saying, it's unbalanced and self-destructive if you have more hours logged into Call of Duty this month than you do have time to, uh, with your, your wife or your spouse. And not just time, but intentional time. Now, I used to be that guy. I could sink easily 40 or 50 hours into my PlayStation and find it difficult to hold a conversation with Shalane without bringing up a match that I had played recently. And people, this is not okay. My priorities were way off. I had to completely refocus my life. I devoted myself, or redevoted myself to Christ, rather. I got back into my daily devotions. I had an active prayer life. I turned off my PlayStation. I straight I unplugged it. I hid the cord. And for a time, I gave it up completely. I gave Shalane that time instead. And now I still play, but it's maybe a few hours a week. Just some personal time, some decompressing time so I'm not pouring all of my stress onto my wife. And if I'm being honest, I probably don't even need the time that I currently take. I'm just as happy listening to a podcast or reading my book in bed touching my wife's feet with my feet and just being there because that touch with Shalane is better decompressing than staring at a screen. If you try this with your spouse, I guarantee it works better. Just hold their hand, sit there, and you don't even have to talk, but I guarantee that that time is better for you and it's better de-stressing than anything you're going to do by yourself. My point is this. Is that my poor priorities were way off. And now, I've found healthier outlets. I still love gaming, and I still have other hobbies, and I take personal time. But my time I do take is spent properly. Now, you might not need as much time together as Shalane and I take. There's a great book by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. And if you have not... I very much encourage you to read this book. For those of you who don't know what it is, it's a very simplistic breakdown of learning how you best show and receive love. Um, basically, the five categories here. Number one, words of affirmation. Number two, physical touch. Number three, giving and receiving gifts. Number four, quality time. And number five, 
acts of service. Shalane and I are lucky. We both basically have the same um, best functioning ways of showing and receiving love. Um, we use all five, but there are two big ones that we that are huge in our house. It's time and touch. Now, this is a very simple breakdown, and Shalane and I had the opportunity a few years back to take a more in-depth personality test from Myers-Briggs. It's another popular one. Um, another big one right now is the Enneagram test. I very, very much encourage you to take one of these if you have not already. It's taught Shalane and I how to effectively talk and communicate our points across to each other. You see, Shalane is very extroverted in her thought processing, thought processing especially. She needs to think out loud and bounce ideas off someone to come to a confident decision. This is not me at all. I am much more comfortable sitting at my desk and thinking through a problem and thinking through its consequences and whatever else may come about from that decision in silence. Before I make a decision, I process internally. I am very much an introvert at heart. This Myers-Briggs test really laid this out on the table for Shalane and I. It was black and white right in front of us and it gave us the tools on how to learn to process together. Now, we came up with a really simple um, phrase that helps us um, when we're not communicating decisions properly. Um, Shalane will look at me and just go, hey, can you extrovert your thoughts for me, please? And this tells me that Shalane needs me to speak, needs me to bring my ideas out loud so that she can also bounce those ideas back at me. And then I can keep processing, but it helps her at the same time. Now, this is as simple as, hey, what do you want for dinner? And I'll be like, hmm. And I won't say anything for like five minutes. But in my head, I'm going through, what do I have in the freezer? What do I have in the cupboard? What do I need to pull out? Do I have to defrost something? And I'll be processing all this, and Shalane's going to be like, hey, come on, Spencer. Hello. And I'll be like, oh, she's like, hey, extrovert your thoughts. I'm like, well, actually, I think we've got some steaks in the freezer, and we've got some corn. Like, we can, we can make that. And... It helps us both process as to even what do we want for dinner. Now imagine that, but on something huge like, hey, do you want to buy a house together? Now I can't just sit back and be like, hmm, and spend three days up at my desk processing all these things when Shalane needs me to be like, hey, yes, I would love to buy a house with you. you know, and then we can get the ball rolling. You know, that It's those kind of things that helped us communicate better in everything from small to big. Now, now that we're on the same page there, let me reiterate. Relationships are a lot of hard work. Coming back to love languages though. Um, so like I said, Shalane and I share the same two. Um, time. Intentional time spent with each other making sure we know that the other person is important to us. It can be as simple as sitting and reading a book or playing a card game, just being in the same room. Now, today we actually took a little personal time. We went and got breakfast, had my mom watch our girls, and we went and sat down by the ocean and 
just enjoyed each other's time. That was huge. Um, just that intentionally taken time to tell the other person without words even that, hey, I love you. That is intentional time. And second one is touch. Pretty straightforward. Like I said, I can decompress by touching my feet to my wife's while I'm laying in bed. Or what I really need, I need hugs. I'm a huggy guy. Some people think it's weird. I don't care. I like hugs. I like having my hand held. We'll be sitting in the car, like putting my hand on Shalane's knee. You know, stuff like that. That touch. Just the physical skin-to-skin -skin contact of holding someone's hand. That is my love language. That is where I receive love the best. And like I said, if you haven't read this book, please do. There's tests online you can do as to what they can speculate is your best love language for giving and receiving. But spend some time. Meditate on it. Really think it out. Because once you know how you can best give and receive love, and you can learn how your spouse best receives and gives love, Maybe they don't line up like Shalane and I, and that's okay. But this means you have to put in that extra effort finding if, you know, your spouse needs words of affirmation. You know, that's encouraging words. Send them a text message randomly. Leave them a note on their, their lunchbox on the way out of the house. Or sneak up behind them while they're brushing their teeth and give them a word, you know. You, ask, you killed it today. You did fantastic. I love the way you played with the kids today. It really warmed my heart. Words like that can go a very, very long way. I can't stress enough. Once you know your spouse's love language of how they receive love, you can spoil them. Now, as, as husbands, we are called to serve our wives and vice versa. And if I can make my wife smile like I said, that idiom back in the beginning of the episode here, you know, making my wife happy makes me happy. If my wife needs some positive reinforcement, some words, or maybe she just needs a surprise hug while she's doing something, you know, hopefully not cutting carrots or something, that'd be dangerous. But, you know, just she needs something to make her smile. It makes me happy to make her happy. That's what I'm talking about with love languages. You can spoil your spouse. Try it. I dare you. You'll love the results that come from it. Have I told you that relationships are a lot of hard work? I feel like I have. What I mean, I don't want you to scare, I don't want to scare you away from it because it's not something to be worried about. It is a worthwhile endeavor. Every day I wake up I actually make a conscious de decision to love my wife. This doesn't happen by accident. I choose to honor my wife and be a good example to my daughters as to what kind of man I want them to find in the future. Loving my wife is a verb. It's an action, not a feeling. You don't believe me? The best de definition of love is in 1 Corinthians 13. We've all heard the verse, love is patient, is kind, does not boast, it's not prideful, does not dishonor others, is not self-seeking, is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. 
Not one of these things is a feeling. Not one of these things is something that's just there. They're actions. Something to do, something to act on. This is why we show love to others. We don't, we're not just in love. We show love to others. When we show our love to each other, we should get creative. It's a scary word. One way I like to do it, something I've been taught, something I actually stole from Jeremy and Audrey Roloff, is the principle of sharing. Now, this is going to have its own episode because it's huge. That There's a lot to unpack with this. But let me give you a brief overview, a brief snapshot of what it is. If Shalane likes something, especially if it's something I don't like, she must like it for a reason. So I will look for something in this that I might like as well so we can enjoy it together. Here's an example. Shalane likes reality TV. I do not. It's not something that I've ever enjoyed. I enjoy complaining about it, but that's not what this principle of sharing is about. But I know Shalane likes it, especially Big Brother and Survivor. Um, so I'll sit down with her, not all the time, but occasionally, and I'll watch it with her. Now I look for things... Um, with Survivor, it was a little easier for me to find something I like. I like the puzzles in it. I like the challenges in it. I could care less about the drama, but that's okay. So I watch it now for the puzzles, and I see if I can solve these riddles and these kind of things before the people on the show do. With Big, Big Brother, it was a lot harder. I found myself just enjoying making, making fun of the ridiculous personalities that they bring onto the show. I'm still working on that one. I'm sure I can find something else in it, but for now, I enjoy making fun of it. And that, I guess, Shalane seems to be okay with it. It's worked pretty well so far. On the flip side of this, I, I like video games. Shalane, not so much. Over the past few years, we've actually found a couple that Shalane does enjoy, you know, like Dr. Mario. Now, recently, we tried a dungeon crawling game and she's played it with me a few times not really her forte but she knows i love it but more importantly we found something that we can sit down with and do together the principle of sharing is about finding ways to join each other and join with each other and create thousands of strands tiny things that connect us so that you become not identical people because who would want to be married to themselves? I certainly would not enjoy being married to me. But it's more about connecting with someone so much that you can't fathom doing life without that person. Now, like I said, there's more than one way to get creative. If you need a more guided way to start being creative, look up this couple's challenge. It's called 31 Creative Ways to Love and Encourage Your Spouse by Jefferson and Alyssa Bethke. This is a one-month challenge, 31 days, um, where every day there's a new challenge to complete and a small journal entry to, just to jot down some notes, things you pulled away from this day. Shalane and I did this in February, and let me tell you, we're going to do it every February because it was so much fun. 
Shalane surprised me with a lot. She flexed those creative muscles and was able to surprise me in so many ways. And I hope that she feels the same about what I did because I had so much fun doing it. Got me thinking how I can best my wife because we're very competitive people and that's what we do. But it brought us back to a point in our relationship that was new and exciting. That discovery of each other, that excitement just trying to outdo the other person that day. And it helped us connect in a familiar but new way. But get creative. You should know your spouse better than anyone. Do something that will make them smile. That's what this is all about. Making your spouse smile. That's what it's all about. Making my spouse smile. Like I said, making my spouse happy makes me happy. And that fills my home with love. This really boils down what it means to love intentionally. To do it on purpose. To fill my home with love so that my wife and my children and myself and anyone who comes through my door to enjoy a cup of coffee with me feels love in my home. Next week, we're going to go back to what we talked about last week. Rhythms and boundaries. Like I said earlier that we've had a lot of questions about what I talked about, some things I didn't put in the podcast, and some people just wanted some clarifications. So we're going to come back to it. I think that there's still a lot more to be said. And uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do next week. Um, until then, thank you for joining us here at the zoo. God bless. I love you all.